Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to another edition of the MCU Exchange Podcast. Today's, today's week is a big week for us. And um, my name is Aaron, and I'm the host for this episode. Alongside me is Charles. Hello. And Joe. Hello! Yes, and want to give a shout-out to all our listeners over at Spotify, Podbean, over at YouTube. And just want to make a quick announcement before we go break down the latest news. We, we have a new Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash the MCU Exchange. It's with a the. And um, for those of you who are asking why, why do you have a new page? Apparently, our Facebook page, who have 40,000 organic likes, was unpublished, unfortunately. But we're not going to be phased by that. So we created a new page. And you can like us o- over there at Facebook. It's facebook.com slash the MCU Exchange for more quality content and breaking news about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, let's dig into the latest news in the past week about the Marvel Cinematic Universe on the rundown. First up. The Loki Disney Plus series will set up Kang the Conqueror in the MCU. The big villain, Kang the Conqueror, is rumored to be introduced in the Loki Disney Plus series. Charles, what are your thoughts on this? It's crazy because for the longest time, I thought that the Loki show would be, quote-unquote, the least interesting for me because the prospect of seeing the same old Loki do the same crazy stuff didn't necessarily excite me. But with the rumors that this was the only show so far, that was going to get a second season and everyone else. This this Kang stuff is absolute mind-blowing if it ends up being true. It makes sense because Kang is, uh, is very integral to the, to the time-space continuum of Marvel. He's sort of the, the villain that does time travel a lot. And if Loki's going to be doing a lot of time travel, it only makes sense that at some point... He, they may cross paths, or maybe we hear Kang's name. Also, because the the, the time variance authority is there, you know, there's a there's a strong connection with that that organization has a strong connection with Kang. So it's not exactly surprising if you really think about it, but it is surprising nonetheless that they're really fucking going for it. If this ends up being true, and there's a, there's this line in Avengers Endgame. Um... As said Tony Stark, he said that he messed with time, he tends to miss back. And it's a line that, you know, some people would have for- forgot, you know, if some people would miss in the movie, mm-hmm. but it plainly sets up major storylines in the post-Infinity Saga world right now. And uh, this is interesting because, you know, this is, will be a new ground for the MCU because they're setting up the villain slowly in a series instead of a post-credit scene just like Thanos in Infinity Saga. Joe, what do you think? Is it better in that way that they set up a major villain in a different platform in, in this in, for this in a Disney Plus series instead of a post-credit scene of a big budget Marvel movie? The the fun thing about the fact that they introduced Kang over a, uh, a Disney Plus series is the fact that Kang is the one character I think they can kind of do that with. Because, you know, we don't know which version of Kang this is going to be. Uh, if I remember cor- correctly, there's the Council of Kang, where the different incarnations of Kang the Conqueror from different timelines kind of consult each other over and over again, so they can utilize this Disney Plus series to kind of introduce a version of that character before building up to the big bad version we see in 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 the big films. Or they also are trying to sideline him a bit to introduce the character, his con- concepts. While having like a mini arc running on the side, because we do know that they're not going to go for another 10 year plus uh, saga like the Infinity Saga. So we could see like smaller storylines right now as they build up towards Kang for his complete different uh, storyline. 
and a question is um if he's a member of the TVA or if he, or if he mm -hmm. be an established Kang the Conqueror already that's being on the top of the, on the top of the TVA's most wanted list like you know in the in the yeah. series I I love the the rumor going around that people are automatically connecting it to the last uh rumor uh casting that he, Owen Wilson is playing Kang the Conqueror though yeah that's yeah. just a little hard to <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a tough pill to swallow. My worry, I mean, me and Pierre briefly talked about it on Twitter. My worry is that they're gonna link Kang to Tony Stark, which in the comics is so not the case. He's 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 a mm -hmm. descendant of Reed Richards rather than Tony Stark. But mm -hmm. because in the MCU, we can credit Tony Stark as being the I guess the the one who discovered time travel. My worry is that Kang is gonna be like a descendant. Of Tony Stark, it's gonna be the mm. great, great, great grandson of Tony Stark, which I don't want to happen because, I mean, how many fucking Tony Stark like, Tony Stark connections can we have? I mean, yes. they already changed that big Ultron origin to for him, so mm. I definitely want him to stick with the Reed Richards stuff. But if they do the Tony Stark stuff, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, uh, it means that it's the post Infinity Saga world, and we could finally see we could get away with. Tony Stark persona for a while and you know, establish more major characters along the way. The next news is uh, there's a rumor going around that Red Hulk is going to make his debut in the She-Hulk Disney Plus series. And you know, fans have been longing for this ever since Incredible Hulk in 2008. And now we'll finally get to see Thunderbolt Cross in all of his Red Hulk glory. Joe, what are your thoughts about this? You know, having him debut in a Disney Plus series instead of a movie is kind of weird or kind of okay. I th I think it's okay. I think it's pretty pretty good because, first of all, we most of the time we didn't expect Red Hulk to appear because there was always the issue of the Hulk movie rights not existing. So introducing him through She Hulk is not a bad idea. Uh, I'm really curious though if he's like the villain of the series because that that he was a villain originally before he became kind of an anti hero. Uh, through Thunderbolts, but like that's the next thing. It all connects now because we also have the effect that this kind of is pushing towards that Thunderbolts rumor. Um, I do wonder if they're gonna have William uh, William Hurt. I think if the, if he's gonna voice the character, or if they're gonna have someone younger voice the character because he does change physically. It's it's a it's an interesting, a very exciting prospect. I'm just really curious how they're gonna pull it off. <laughs> Charles, what do you think? Well, like Joe said, for the longest time, it was it was kind of hard to imagine him showing up um, as a character on his own. Red Hulk is kind of it's kind of fucking mind blowing to me that they turned Thunderbolt Ross into another Hulk. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was I think he was always fine as the the like the Lex Luthor to Bruce's Banner's Superman. Um, he was sort of powerless, but he had a lot of anger and deep-seated stuff about, you know, Hulk being the way he is. But it is interesting. I wonder if, I mean, we saw some old pictures of William Hurt lately, and he, he, he didn't look exactly good. I hope I hope he's fine. I hope there's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with him, because I've heard about his health and, and he, him needing a cane and stuff like that. But as an idea, I think it's, I think it's very interesting. Um, Obviously, if you're gonna give Ross that big of a story, that means you're gonna have to revisit some of his stuff with in the Incredible Hulk, like his 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 beef with 
Banner and the whole Gamma experiment because for the longest time since he appeared in Civil War, we've he's barely mentioned Banner except for that scene in Civil War mm-hmm. where he asked Captain yeah, America Banner. Yeah. And and they actually it's so weird because in Endgame we see them we see Hulk and Ross sh- share a scene in the well, not a scene but be in the same area in in the funeral mm-hmm. and we don't we don't exactly know how that conversation went did they yeah did they back things up or is it do they still have a lot of stuff between them is Ross gonna be after Banner after all these years it's gonna be super interesting the the good news is. Because it's a series, I'm sure that they're gonna have a lot of room to possibly develop yeah. Ross into a more South character. With regards to the Thunderbolt stuff, I actually hate his lineup of Thunderbolt. I think it's like the, the worst lineup of the Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. Him, Venom, <laughs> uh, Red She-Hulk, Deadpool, Punisher. That lineup of the Thunderbolts doesn't excite me at all. But because his nickname is Thunderbolt Ross, it makes sense for him to be part of that. But I don't know if I want to see him smash along alongside the team. I want him. I want him to have sort of like a an Amanda Waller type of role where behind he's just the like scene. the yeah. behind the scenes stuff. That's what I prefer. All right, whatever it is, I'm sure Marvel has a plan for that. Next up is um, a new actor is joining Falcon the Winter Soldier in the form of Carl Lumley, who is known to play John Jones' father in Supergirl, as well as he has voiced Martian Manhunter in the Justice League animated series. And um, and there's rumors speculating that he could be playing Isaiah Bradley. Charles, for casual fans like me, what is the impact of the Isaiah Bad- Bradley character to the Captain America legacy? Well, it's kind of big because I think yesterday, I think it was Slash Film that reported that yeah. they've heard some rumblings about this character, Isaiah Bradley, being sort of the, the push Sam needs to eventually accept the mantle of Captain America. Because in the comics, Isaiah Bradley was sort of one of the earlier successful experiments of Project Rebirth. I think he precedes Steve Rogers by maybe a couple of years. But then again, that was retroactively um, added to the Marvel story. I mean, it was a character that was... Isaiah Bradley was a character created in the mid-2000s. And they decided to make him canon because uh, it made so much sense to add this layer of history to the Captain America story. Um, I think it's going to have a huge impact, as the as Slash Films report um, indicates. I think, yeah, Sam's definitely going to need, need that push to, to take on that mantle. And what better way than to have Isaiah Bradley be the person to, you know, nudge him to the right path. Because I'm sure we're going to explore the a legacy of Captain America that we haven't heard. We're going to hear about the other experiments that... Yeah. May or may have not succeeded. It's going to be a huge shock for Sam to find out that there was another success experiment like Steve Rogers who didn't get his due because of his skin color. I'm, I'm sure that's going to have a powerful mm-hmm. impact. And, yes. and I can't wait to see it play out on screen. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree because I think it's it's a very good emotional anchor the set for the show. It, the only, like, the big question I have is if we look at, like, how did Isaiah Bradley, if he's supposed to be the original or some form of Captain America before uh, Steve Rogers was, you know, the only reason Steve Rogers was still pretty young in the future was because he was frozen in ice. So the question is, how do they 
bring Isaiah Bradley back? Uh, is it going right. to be more of a, a history lesson of him finding documents about this original Captain America? Or does he actually meet him? Is it a, a curse of Captain America's to be frozen in time for some time? It's it's a really interesting how they're going to bring him back. I love the fact that this is exploring the history of the, the super soldier serum. Because outside of really the integration of that being the reason why Abomination became what he is in, in The Incredible Hulk, it's not really a storyline they've truly explored much. Because in the comics, there's always like some kind of mention of, oh, this is a spinoff of the Super Soldier Serum, or this was the inspiration. I think Extremist was kind of hinted at that it could be. But it's it's really nice to them also explore Captain America's uh, past a bit more, well, because most of the films outside of the first one kind of just focused about the character in modern time. And for Falcon, it's it's incredible because this is such an emotional thing to know it's it's it is about race and and it's an important question, important story to tell about what it means for Sam Wilson to be the next Captain America. With regards to your your sort of question about whether they're gonna do like a like a document thing or how are they gonna yeah. explain why Sabrina exists? Well, if you look at Steve Rogers' age, by the time he gives the shield to Sam in Endgame, he's bordering mm-hmm. on 120 years old. And if you if you sort of if you add all those years he, he was he was frozen in time and whatnot, I, if 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 Isaiah Bradley is the success story we think he is, he's gone. He's probably going to be able to live until up to minimum ninety years. I don't know how old Carl Lumley is, but sixty-eight. Oh, if he's sixty-eight, then um, I'm I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna have to use a bit of prosthetics to make him a bit older. I am more curious if we're gonna see his his grandson. His grandson is one of part of the Young Avengers. Um, Elijah oh, Bradley. Yeah, I wonder that Patriot. I wonder if we're gonna see him here. I wonder if they're gonna debut him him here because it makes sense, right? For yeah, for, for Sam to to meet like uh, the next generation of oh shit, this kid might be able to take the shield from you one day. I wonder if we're gonna mm-hmm. have a moment like that, but. It's a nice notch in this build-up to the Young Avengers because it's kind of clear now that we're definitely going to get the Young Avengers within the next decade at least. Oh, yeah. Connections are being planted. Connections are being seeded. And every one of the Sisyphusaries in the the Young Avengers is surely coming in the future of the MCU. Next up, we have news here about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We still haven't... It's it's confirmed, but we still don't know when it will release. And recently in an interview... Um, during the premiere night of the Disney animated movie Onward, Chris Pratt says that he doesn't know if Thor will be in, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Hmm. <laughs> I would love to see Thor there, but uh, Charles, is there, what do you think? Um, is Thor going to, be, going to appear in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in, in a cameo or a small role or a major role? Your thoughts? I, I think he shouldn't. I mean, honestly, as personal preference, I don't think he should be a big part of it. I think we talked about this in one of the few, the the one of the previous episodes we did. I could see him sort of appearing at the start, where he gets kicked out of the 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 ship for maybe eating all the food, and then you know it, it's a nice segue <laughs> to 
that way you can segue to a story that focuses on them. And you could also do the same thing when Thor Love and Thunder shows up. Maybe we see what happens when Thor gets gets kicked out of, out of the out of the ship. What happens? And I think for the most part, he should be there for one scene, but it should not be about him. I I agree. I I think he a cameo is is probably the extent of it because the Guardians films were very focused about the emotional core of what the Guardians as a family means. Um, if they keep Thor in. They kind of have to. They can spin it like he's the uncle no one wanted. <laughs> All right, yeah. He just they kind of got stuck with this uncle who's kind of you know he did he doesn't want to get a job. He's not he's not leaving them alone. So I think it would be a funny recurring joke like he keeps showing up even though they try to get rid of him constantly throughout the film. <laughs> it just shows up in every scene. Emotional is like, hey guys, what you guys doing? Uh, the only thing is for me is like. The, the wonkiness of where Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is in the timeline. Because we all assume that if Thor was joining them, that would be the first movie we see. But now all of a sudden, Thor Love and Thunder is coming out first. So I, I still kind of think that the story of Guardians and Thor will be explored a little bit in Thor, Thor 4. By pretty much just a cameo of like, hey get out or something and then they can kind of focus on the guardians and the third one but it's it's so strange because we you know guardians of the galaxy 3 we all thought would come earlier it got postponed and now this kind of makes this all very uh open for interpretation let's say yeah it kind of confused casual fans like thor will show as there they saw thor join join the guardians at the end of endgame and they had that impression that, you know, uh, during Guardians, that he will be there. Like, they made fan arts about it. They made names about it as Guardians of the Galaxy, they call it. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, would, I, I can see him, like, um, we've earlier mentioned it in past episodes, that Thor messes up a mission, and then that's why he's kicked out. Anyway, we don't even know if he's going to yeah. be thin again. Oh, yeah. You don't that's like the that next thing. Are they going to keep him big? Because... A lot of fans really latched onto that idea, and it'll be interesting to see where they bring Thor moving forward, because Joe brings up an interesting point that, yeah, Love and Thunder is coming out first. They're going to have to explain one way or another why the Guardians aren't there, if they aren't there, and it'll be interesting. I'm sure Chris Pratt is just as confused as us. But I'm sure James Gunn is willing, very willing to adjust to whatever story they have going. I think, I think, yeah. I think it will be like what happened to the arc character of Tony Stark in Iron Man three. It was removed, and then we saw in Avengers: Age of Ultron, he has that like in the Iron Man suit, just like that, right? Like a throwaway line with referencing, oh, you know, I I, I need the hobby, you know, just training suits, and I can't stop, blah blah blah, and you know, just like that, throwaway reference. But I would love to see that idea of ours that you know, Chris Pratt. Uh, Star Lord and Thor joking, uh, joking around with fat jokes. You know, a training monta- montage. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. They did make the joke that both of them were getting chubby, so they can kind of combine that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, okay. Going up next, the last news for the rundown is um, there will be a big Disney Plus event next month, March fifth, to be exact, and there will be um exclusive look at the Disney Plus slate of the MCU and um, what do you think guys uh, do you think we will get uh, we'll finally get to see 
a full trailer for at least Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, I think they're going to show a trailer for uh, a combined trailer again, maybe just with a little bit more footage, but not much because they can't show their cards too early. Um, I mean, it's a great idea to, to have a confirmed slate release because it is the European launch as well. Uh, I'm still waiting to get my hands on Disney Plus here in Austria, yeah. but it will be interesting because the, the challenge is they kind of already showed a trailer for three shows. Two of them don't even release until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And we don't even have exact release dates. Now, so this March uh, event, that's the question for me, is are we going to get exact release dates for at least Falcon the Winter Soldier and WandaVision? Makes because sense. all we know is it's kind of the month. So it's 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 an interesting... I, I like the strategy, and I'm really hoping they... They show some, uh, like Kevin Feige comes out and kind of reveals some stuff because we don't know if he's there at all or not. So it could just be like one guy responsible with Disney Plus saying, oh, these are our shows and here's like a cute, de- a, a short demo reel. And so it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's re- certainly something to keep an eye on. I am interested in, in knowing whether, because I'm sure they're going to give us like the, the general month of the, of the shows like um uh miss marvel is gonna come out uh spring 2021 like something like that maybe not the mm-hmm. month or, but maybe like the season uh, what quarter of the year we're gonna get it i'm interested in knowing whether these sort of these sort of slate the, this announcement will be the first inkling or, of our phase five because last year when kevin feige did that phase four announcement in, in comic con it kind of seemed definite that that was the phase four slate mm-hmm. and uh, because they're adding so much to it i wonder if all these shows moon knight she hulk miss marvel i wonder if it's part of phase five and this sort of mm. event on march five will be the first phase phase five reveal i'm super curious on what happens with that um i'm also curious whether they're going to announce films because I, it makes sense to sort of just plant the flags as early as this, but they could be saving that for, for Comic-Con this year or D23. And um, I guess we're going to either find out a definite definitive date or, or a massive trailer of sorts or like a montage, like what we have, a longer one that, that we have in the Super Bowl. That's this one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's going to wrap all the news here in the past week of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now we're going to move to the exchange where we talk about what's the best. We're going to talk about what's not the best. We're going to talk about all the latest about the MCU here. And our topic for this exchange is there have been a lot of deleted scenes since the inception of the Infinity Saga box set since its release and. And um, you know, what is the best deleted scene in the Infinity Saga that you feel like would have ended up in the final cut? And the first one is Charles. What do you think is the best deleted scene in Infinity Saga? A couple of days ago, I saw some concept art of um, War Machine in Infinity War fighting remotely through that, that hologram tech, Tony Stark invented in Iron Man 3. It's not necessarily a deleted scene because it was never filmed, but it was more like an unused concept. I'd say that was mm-hmm. my pick because I like the idea of Rhodey still recovering in his 
in his from his injuries in Civil War because we never exactly got an inkling of what his journey was to becoming yeah. quote unquote old again. Um, because in Endgame he was he was perfectly fine in that armor. He was he was he was fighting normally in Infinity War, and I like the idea of him sort of at the start of Infinity War. It's him still struggling with his injuries and that he he can't fight physically yet. And mm-hmm. they could have done like a nice sort of two minute moment where we we they showed him fighting remotely at the start because the, the scene originally was that. Uh, Rhodey would show up in Scotland to help out Vision and Wanda, and when 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 Rhodey opens up the the the, mat, the helmet, he's not there. He's he's back in New York, still still reeling from his injuries. And I thought that would be a nice touch that by the end of the film he would be forced to sort of overcome his injuries and fight physically in the fight in Wakanda. But we didn't get that, and I feel like that would have been amazing. Joe, on the top of your head, what is the best deleted scene in Infinity Saga? Uh, for me, it would be it's a small scene from Age of Ultron, which just is really interesting with uh, Captain America seeing his face with the with the wings saying "fascist" on the wall, and he takes off the helmet as a result. I I don't know something about the scene. It it says a lot, like about you know Captain America, who he is politically speaking. How he's viewed at the time, I think Age of Ultron really opened the floodgates to how characters can be seen outside of their hero actions, and I just love the fact that it explains why he always runs around without his helmet. <laughs> yeah, it's such a powerful moment where Steve Sorrow goes down the the Quinjet. Then the first thing he mm-hmm. sees is a graffiti him vandalized saying "fascist," and it's it's. It's so cool because we, like you said, we've never seen what the international, what what international eyes look at, what what they think of the Avengers and him seeing realizing, oh shit, I'm an asshole to these people because of my A because of yeah. the A in my head because of what the A stands for and yeah, it's it's a nice touch. It, it definitely explains why he fights basically a war yeah. without a helmet. Yeah, it, it's 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 kind of careless if you think about it, but it's a nice touch for sure. My scene, for me, one of the best deleted scenes in the Infinity Saga for me is that the deleted Infinity War scene between Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Mantis when they work together to um, recover the souls of Star Lord, and Drax, and Nebula in Titan. Mm. See that it it was leaked before and it was debunk like it's no it's not from a movie like there's this line from Doctor Strange like, Peter they're not dead they're just, like um, help me save them someplace like I, I wish I could see more you know it's more of that dynamic because that is very rare to happen again in the next five years or six or seven years you know seeing Spider Man work with the Guardians and um, to recover uh, to help out uh, the other Guardians uh, it's a uh, Big scene. It has a big, has a big impact on me when I saw it. One scene mm-hmm. I, I think was very interesting when all these deleted scenes started surfacing was was uh, Bruce Banner's scene with um, with Call Obsidian, where he becomes Smart Hulk by the end of the oh yeah, the fight. Oh yeah, you are. I understand why that was deleted because because the Russos and the writers wanted to have wanted to have like a, a true sense of defeat that no one was winning 
And it would be weird. It would need a lot of some extra runtime if they wanted to, you know, if they wanted to make smart, smart, smart talk happen by the end of the movie. Obviously, everyone has to react to that. It can't be just yeah. smart talk and then everyone gets dusted and then they're all standing there defeated. You can't have that scene because it's fucking insane to just ignore the fact that Hulk is now talking. I get why they deleted it, but I like the idea of, you know, Bruce becoming Hulk in that Hulkbuster because that was an idea scrapped from Age of Ultron because for the, I remember Joss Whedon talking about a scene where they wanted, to, they wanted to have Ultron fight Iron Man and then Ultron would totally kick Iron Man's ass and then when, when Ultron removes the helmet, it's not Tony Stark in it. It's fucking Bruce Banner and then he becomes Hulk because they, they needed something to get close to Ultron and that was, that was an idea that I wish they could have fucking done because it would, it would have been amazing, but yeah. they didn't get it. They didn't get it also in Infinity War, so I kind of wish they did that Ultron idea. Yeah, there was also that interaction with Black Widow at the end of that scene, right? Like, yeah, where they, yeah, where they, where, where Smart Hulk and Matt meet for the yeah. first time. Yeah, like Smart Hulk was a character I I wanted to see as well because they kind of hinted at it throughout the film, but it was just really great to see Bruce Banner do something. Yeah. Because most of the time, like, it was always Hulk doing action and everything. And just giving Bruce Banner the time to shine, to, to just highlight, yeah, he is a smart guy, but he can also handle himself. And it was just a really fun scene to kind of see him out of his regular elements. So yeah. if I could just add one thing, I, I have to say, though, I, I, I completely forgot. I do wish they added the uh, short film, the Peter's to-do list from Far From Home into the film. Oh, yeah. At the beginning, yeah. Yeah, because I just realized it was like something that kind of it's a great short sequence that just I think would have tied the film together. I I think they didn't do it out of pacing reasons, but I I think it's it just has some great like Peter Parker moments in it to highlight what kind of character he is. So, those are the best deleted scenes on our book in Infinity Saga. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the MC Exchange podcast. You can uh, follow us on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Exchange. You can follow us there for more news and content. You can also like our new Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Exchange. Please do like us. It's now at 300-something likes. And uh, it's still continuing to grow every day. And you can also listen to this podcast over at Spotify, over at Podbean, over at YouTube, all in the, in the words... MC Exchange Podcast. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Aaron Chino. That's A-E-R-O-N-C-H-I-N-O. Joe, your Twitter? Uh, at that Albel. T-E-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. And also you can follow Charles. You can find me on Twitter at CFS All right. On that note, this has been another episode of the MC Exchange Podcast. Hope you enjoyed. And till next time. Bye.